All right. Well, good morning. Let's go ahead and open up with a prayer. Father, I just want to uh, I want to thank you for this time to be together, Lord. I want to thank you for your family and for this church. Thank you for your word. You've truly blessed us so abundantly, Father. I pray that to this morning as we come before you, that we can we can hear your word, receive it, be be cut, molded, shaped, inspired, uh, refined, rebuked, whatever we need this morning. I pray that your word would work, work most powerfully on our hearts. Father, I pray that truly, uh, as always, God, I can be an instrument of your will, inspired by your Holy Spirit. I thank you for what has already been said and shared and sung this morning. We love you, Father. We come to you ultimately to just know you and love you more. Uh, we love you. Give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <clears throat> you know, I feel like I've, there was, uh, David was sharing his communion. I've been very encouraged multiple times recently, but this it happened again this morning where I feel like not planned, like God brings together the, the main or key ideas of, of messages that, that I feel like either I'm going to speak and then somebody else essentially speaks on to, to some degree. And the thing that I can think is, man, the Holy Spirit's got to be talking to somebody uh, very specifically because I'm like, wow, uh, that, was, that was great. David, thanks for everything you shared this morning. I'm not talking about doors, all right? But um, it, was, it was just encouraging to, to see that and hear that. I'm sure that the Word is powerful and effective uh, in all of our lives at any time. But uh, sometimes when I just see the Spirit working consistently, uh, it's even more inspiring. It's, it's encouraging every week, but it's more inspiring to see that God's been doing it again and again and again uh, recently. So, amen. The, uh, the, so, next week, I'm going to wrap up our series so that we've been working on. So, next week, we'll, we'll, we, well, I cannot talk this morning. Um, we will wrap up our series on if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. And thank you so much. Apparently, I need this. My tongue or my teeth feel like there's glue on them or something. So, but we'll, uh, this, this Sunday, this morning, the title of my sermon is The Patient Prevail. The Patient Prevail. Now, maybe some of you have heard about this, uh, this test. There was a, a test they did on these small children. It was called the marshmallow test. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we've heard of that? Some of you yeah. have heard of that? It was very intriguing because the idea is that they would, they would put a marshmallow... On a table, they're, they're asking these kids these questions. They put the marshmallow on the table, and they, it, you know, the, the surveyor needs to leave the room, and they tell the child, okay, you can have this marshmallow, but I'm going to go to the restroom or do something, but if I come back and you decide to wait, then I'm going to give you two marshmallows, right? And so then the surveyor goes, you know, leaves the room and, and let the child know, like, they could have it if they wanted it, but if they... Wait, they're going to get at least twice as much, right? And so what they they found is, you know, a good portion of the kids would just eat the single marshmallow as soon as the person left the room, right? But then you had another portion of the the kids that would, they wouldn't, and they would start distracting themselves. They would start doing things to to 
get their attention off of it. You know, some would sing songs, some would talk to themselves and tell stories, some would, you know, make up little games to play. Uh, apparently one child started licking the table near the marshmallow, thinking maybe that would just, the, the marshmallow had changed the table somehow, but he, that child did not eat the marshmallow. Uh, but they finding a way to, to hold out and wait. And, but what's interesting is they tracked this study over a longer period of time. And they, they kept studying these children over years and years and years. And it was intriguing because they found that the children who could act with patience and prevail and put aside the, their, their desire for the here and now would, would do much better than the children later who couldn't. And they actually found that the, on average, the children who would wait would score 224 points higher on their SATs than those who wouldn't. I was like, wow, that's, that's a lot. Um, but then there's, there's these elements of what they tracked these kids and how they did with addiction and drugs and how, how they did in life in general. And what they found was those who could defer that pleasure part that they would do so much better if they could just wait. And I thought, you know, how similar can that be sometimes for us to, to, we can receive some good things now, or we can wait in expectation for what's going to be even more and even greater, right? And I thought, wow, the patient really prevailed. And, and some of us know this, but the word, Patience can uh, many times is can be translated or, or portrayed as long suffering. Some of us have heard that, but the idea to endure or to have long suffering to to continue despite challenges. And so, but what I want to talk about today is is really looking at how why does God do those sorts of things sometimes, right? What is he trying to teach us? What's he trying to train into us? And if you got your Bible, turn over to Matthew 14. We're going to stick in our key passage today as we talk about this. But, you know, I, I look at this, and my goal and hope this morning is to help us really see, one, our need for a great trust in God, and to understand that patience requires... A lot of confidence, a lot of humility. We've got to overcome fear. We've got to overcome insecurity. We've got to overcome opposition sometimes to, to endure these things, to be patient through them. But in Matthew 14, verse 22, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. And so, in 22 we pick up. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out, went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. 
and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. You know, in this passage, it's interesting, three times, Matthew makes a point to say three times, Jesus did something immediately. And I didn't catch that right away, but there's, there's three separate times we see, like, immediately Jesus took action. He did something. Immediately he sent them away in the boat. Immediately he told them to take courage. Immediately he reached out and grabbed Peter. And there's, there's this aspect where I look at and I go, Jesus, we all know this if you've read the Gospels and you look at it, but Jesus is a man of action. Like, he's not idle unless he intends to be. Right? And he, he doesn't just chill for no reason. Right? And so, in this though, what we see is, we look at Jesus and he's a man of action. But what do we also know? We know that God is a God of action. Right? God is a God of action and he calls his people to be people of action as well. But I think sometimes we can forget in some ways how much of a, a player that, that God is in the sense that he, he causes action to happen. His word, Hebrews 4, tells us that even his word is living and active. Right? I mean, it's, it's to the extent that just the words out of his mouth, the things that he says causes Action, they remain living and true to this day, still causing reactions in people's lives. That's just his word. So how much of a God of action is our God? How much of a God, a a Lord of action is our Lord? And so sometimes I think some of us, maybe all of us, I know I can. I can get a little frustrated when it seems like God is being inactive. Right? Right? I can feel a little frustrated if I feel like God's just not answering. Is He there? Is He listening? Does He care? You know, the scarier one is, is He there? Right? Because, is there a God? And, and I begin to, I've had at times, certainly, times of, of frustration, times of fear and anxiety, times of insecurity. And, and these things come up most often when I feel like God's not taking action, or at least not in the way that I want Him to, right? But what we see is that several times, several times, Jesus, He acted with immediacy. Like, He, he acted right away. Immediately, He sent His disciples away. Now, immediately, He, you know, tells them to be calm, to take courage. Immediately, He reaches out and grabs Peter. You know, the last two I go... That's clear that there was an immediate need and God met the need when it needed to be met. Right? Sometimes I think, well, and I do wonder, like, why did, it says he immediately put them in the boat and sent them away, right? 
You know, that's a little funny. But why? Well, there could be a number of reasons, and, and it would be conjecture on my end, but I think that there had to be a good reason for Jesus to take immediate action. But what we can see is that he does take action when it needs to be taken. Do you still believe that that's God's character in your life? It's kind of a question I have for us today. Something to think about and go home and dwell on and pray about. But when I see that there's a part here in this story that we look at. And so what does Jesus do? He sends them away. But when does he send them away? He sends them away what I think would be the early afternoon or like the later part of the afternoon. The sun's still up, right? He has time to dismiss the crowds. He, Jesus sends the disciples away and G, Jesus, one individual, dismisses a crowd of 5,000, right? I would imagine that that would take a little bit of time to dismiss 5,000 people, right? So, I figure, and then he dismisses these individuals, and it's once he's done with that, he goes up onto a mountainside to pray. And then he talks about how it became evening. He prayed into the evening. And then there would be hours seemed to pass. Now, was Jesus praying? Uh, You know, did he take a nap on the mountainside? It doesn't say. Was he just waiting? I think he was, because it says at... The fourth watch of the night. Now, when would that be? The Romans had these time periods. It was, you know, they broke down the night into like uh, four sections. And this fourth watch of the night would be the 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. section. So, wait, you know, whatever he's doing, he's choosing to head out at 3 a.m. To walk across the lake to get to his disciples. Now, here's the situation we've got to think about. His disciples have just spent probably at least a good seven to ten hours in a boat battling a storm. Right? Like dealing with the wind that says they're they're being buffeted by the wind and the waves because it's against them. And, And Jesus sees that situation. Right? He knows what's going on. He knows that they're out there. But they are fighting and and trying to work towards and get to the other side where Jesus told them to go. For me, I wonder, why would Jesus do that? How would you feel if you were told to take a boat to the other side of the lake? In the, I mean, many of us have seen the lake when like the wind's up really bad, right? Not like on, you know, the storm and, you know, all the rains coming down and everything, but just intense wind. We know that there was, there was some rain later when Jesus is walking out there. But if you look out on the lake, that would, that's pretty scary to think about being in a boat. And these guys are out there trying to make their way across. Working together, probably, trying to get across the lake. I would think that would be challenging. A little bit scary, right? I don't know which of them. I'm sure that you know the fishermen could swim. I don't know about everybody else. How are different people feeling in the boat? Why are we doing this? Why did Jesus send us out here? Why did guys, guys? Let's just go back, guys. You know, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And people going, look, look. Jesus is still there. We'll go back. We'll get Jesus. We'll wait. We'll come back and we'll go to the other side with Jesus later. 
and other people are going, no, 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 Jesus said get to the other side. We've got to get to the other side. And, and I don't know, to me I can imagine like a bunch of guys bickering a little bit on the boat, arguing about it. Some people just being scared. Some people being frustrated. Some people feeling a little bitter that they're being sent across in the storm. You guys feel me? Yeah. We, we can imagine this slew and array of emotions that are there. Mm-hmm. And the question just comes up, why would Jesus do this? Why would he let them deal with this? Because what we see is eventually he gets out to the boat and the other Gospels of this account say that immediately they reach the other side. It was, it was as if he got there and the boat just propelled its own way across the rest of the lake and they just show up. But why would Jesus let them struggle for so long? You know, I think, and I only have one point for us today, I think that the title of it is really the point. It's to wait is to be humbled. To wait is to be humbled. Because why would Jesus leave them there? What do what do we see? We're gonna. They've spent hours dealing with the elements. They're they're not giving up, which in itself is admirable, right? Um, you would think, let's just go back, guys. It's going to be all right. We'll work our way across. And they, but they didn't give up on it. And so, even though turning back would have been easier, they said, let's keep going. When you get a, guy, like, a group together and you're, you're like pretty bonded, I imagine these guys are pretty bonded, and there's a challenging thing before you, you could feel, anybody ever worked with that group where you feel like, okay, guys, we can do just about anything if we work together. And these guys are trying to work their way across for hours across this lake. I think they're being humbled by the elements. Like just the elements are humbling them. Like this, this crew of guys trying to work their way across the lake, being shown, even with your combined effort, you're just struggling to do this. Showing you how much more powerful the elements are. I mean, you guys ever reflect on that? Like, how powerful, like, the elements are? And so these, these guys are seeing this. I think they're being humbled by this storm. And from out of nowhere, completely unexpected, you have Jesus just walking across the lake. There's no wonder these guys are freaking out. When they see him. Who expects to see Jesus walking on water? And so he walks across the lake. And he's there. And these guys are freaking out. What is that other than God saying. This will humble you. These elements. These storms. These crazy things that are going on. I'm just going to walk out across the lake. It's no big deal to me. And I guess I think about that. And I go. When we look at the. The storms in our life, do we think that they're so much bigger than God is? Because Jesus just walked out on the lake. You guys get what I'm saying? Yeah. You get the point there? You know, I think waiting, hours of toil, is just preparing them and humbling them to really be able to see God's glory. Because Jesus walks in the boat, and what do they say? Truly, you are the Son of God. Right? It just made it so much easier for them to acknowledge how God was working. What he had done was really clear for them. 
You know, storms in our lives, they're, they're a big deal. We all come into them at different times, different places. You know, David was talking about the doors that were closed in your face and the ones that were opened up and the different things. And really, the idea is, what have you been through that God really showed you His glory? What are you going through that God is preparing you and trying to humble you so that you could see His glory? Right? You know, for me, some of us know this, most of us know this story, but I, I feel like it's, it's such a, a big point in my life. Recently, we went down to a staff retreat, and uh, Matt Weber, who's uh, the church leader in Stores, Connecticut, he, was, he and I were having a conversation. He goes, bro, you remember that summer at Camp Hope for Kids when you and I prayed together? And for a second, it took me a little bit because I forgot that he was there. <laughs> but I remember, I do remember, actually. Now, it was, it was like it hit me, and I was like, of course. Because that summer was, was a series of probably the end of a 10-month period that had been really, really, really hard for me. Um, you know, I went through this, and at this time, Matt and I were praying. We were praying about the future and what was going on, because I felt like I had no clue what God wanted for my life. Um, I, I've been convinced for a long time that ministry was supposed to be for me, and I had even, you know, I had picked my degree I picked my degree. It's, it's a degree in communication, which the focus was in social interaction. And so people were like, so parties. I'm like, no. Uh, it was in how small groups work, how big groups work, how leaderships emerge in groups, how to develop leaders in groups, and da 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 Pretty much it was, hey, this is systematic ministry development right here, which was pretty cool. I felt very great about it. Uh, outside of that, I had no clue how I was going to practically use my degree. And so I picked this degree feeling like I wanted to do this for ministry. And suddenly ministry was quite possibly a closed door in my face. You know, uh, I've shared it before, but the guys who studied the Bible with me saying maybe ministry is not for you. Maybe, maybe you need to find a new dream. Um, and that was really hard for me. That was October, November. Um, and then, but I felt like, hey, you know what? Like, I don't know. I know I love God. I want to continue to serve God. Uh, I said, I knew for me, Kristen and I were dating. She was going to go into her last semester. We were finally going to, after that, be able to live in the same place. Uh, up until that point, I thought, okay, she's going to move to Texas. And it was, I felt very good about us at that point. But I didn't feel good about my future, about the ministry, what I wanted to do. And then the next, you know, several months were really hard. Kristen and I didn't see each other. And then by the end of that, very beginning of that summer, not only did I have no clue about ministry, but I didn't know about Kristen and I either at that point. Like, she was in a really tough spot. We really weren't doing well. And, and I just didn't understand why God seemed to be, like, taking the really great things in my life seemed like he might be taking them away. Right? I just didn't understand the things that I really felt like, okay, I'm not sure about this, but I'm sure about this. And then God, like, removed them. Because I felt like, wow, these are foundational parts of who I am. And I remember praying with Matt 
Because I was praying, I said, God, I don't know if you want me to be in the ministry. I don't know if you want me to be with Kristen. I, you know, I know I want to marry her. I know I want to be in the ministry. But it doesn't seem like this is what you want. Tell me what you want. Um, and what it eventually revealed in me, God finally revealed what he wanted. What he wanted was he wanted me to be humble. What God wanted is he goes, I want you to stop making ministry, your career, your rock. To stop making this woman your foundation. I want to be your foundation. You know, and when I said, okay, I'm, I'm willing to lose it all. I just want you and I want you to make it clear for me. I'm willing to give it all up. It was at that point, I, I essentially, I found God as my rock again. Right? And for many of us, for me, what it did is God humbled me. He left me in this place of waiting in this storm for months. I truly believe to humble me more than anything else. Because when, when a brother told me, if you go, you won't go in the ministry, or if you do go in the ministry, you won't stay in the ministry for very long. I think with where my character was, he was very likely right. Because I had too much pride in my life, in those ways. And, and, but what are the ways that maybe God is trying to reveal pride to you? Maybe, maybe, what are some ways, maybe you think back to different storms you've been in, because that, it now builds my faith in who God is. When I look back at that, I see how good God is, because I've been blessed beyond what I thought. I get to be here, in Vermont, and I love Vermont. I get to be with you guys and be in this church. I get to be the minister here. I get to have this beautiful wife and amazing son. And, and it's incredible. It's not all easy, right? But it's still incredible. And I'm grateful for it. But I look at, at it and I go, that was a storm that God needed to put me through. But most importantly, what he needed was he needed me to be humble. And I look and I ask you today, what are some of the things that God has put you through? Maybe what are the things God is putting you through? And is, is, are you still trying to cling to the things that once were your solid rocks and foundations? Or are you saying, God, you are going to be my solid rock and my foundation? Are you finding a place of humility and security in Jesus before everything else? Because if you're not... Jesus may let you battle a while longer. And the scariest part is, I hope you don't turn back to the other shore. Right? But the patient persevere, and they prevail. Right? And so, God may leave us there. But the thing that I would encourage you with is humility. Soon as you're humble, God's timing is perfect. You humble yourself... Jesus will immediately show up where you need him to be. Right? That's what we see. They show up. They're terrified. He tells them, take courage. Peter walks out on the water doing something amazing. For the first time, the, uh, a normal human being, when Jesus is a human being, but he's Jesus, you get a guy like Peter who's able to get out and walk on the water. And yet, he... he he wavers in his faith. He begins to sink. But immediately when he needs Jesus, Jesus is there. Yeah. 
Do you believe that Jesus is going to be there? And maybe you're struggling. Jesus isn't there right now. I'm like, well, are you humble right now? Are you clinging to Jesus like He is the bread of life? He is the rock of your salvation, right? Because if you're still trying to seek or find some other shelter in the storm, you're not going to find that. Jesus is the perfect shelter. You guys get what I'm saying? For me, it's built my faith. It's encouraged me who God is. It's, it's enabled me. But you know what I also know? That more storms are going to come. They're going to be here. And, and, you know, some of you are going, well, Mike, why don't you tell us? You've told us that story before. Tell us a new story. I'm like, well, give me another couple years. I'll tell you about the storms where I'm at now. You know? Uh, but I think it's... Guys, we're there, but let's cling to Jesus together. Yeah. Right? Let's call to, to God together to inspire one another, to help each other. Um, remembering that God is always, always, always on time. He'll never be slow in keeping His promises. He arrives precisely when He means to. Yeah. Right? So, I look at that, and, you know, earlier when we look at Jesus and we think about His immediate action, sometimes it seems like He doesn't act right away. And sometimes He doesn't. But it's for a reason. And do you trust that Jesus has more wisdom and knowledge than you do? Do you trust that Jesus is ultimately trying to help you get to heaven? Right? Because if you trust that, then you can endure. But fear and insecurity and the, the challenge of persecution and opposition to your life living for Jesus or, or whatever's going on for you. Guys, Jesus may be waiting, but he's waiting for you to be ready. To do the best thing and to help you be ready to be saved and make it to heaven. So, like I said, I'd ask why would he wait? It's because it's what's best for us. Right? Why would he make us wait? It's because we, it's what we need. The disciples got to see Jesus walk on water because they didn't give up and go back to the other side. Right? What, how, when will you get to see Jesus? It's when you don't give up, but you keep going. Right? Don't give up and go back to the other side. Right? Keep persevering. You'll get to see Jesus perform miracles. You'll be able to drop on your knees and go, God, you are the Son of God. You are amazing. Because you get to see God's perfect plan. Just like I now get to see my perfect, how God has perfectly planned out where we are now. Right? And I want to just encourage you with it. You don't always know when he's going to show up. But know that he will show up. Perfectly on time. Waiting for you. I would say, lastly, with this. Let's be a people that strive together. We may be humbled by the elements and the storms of life, but when we strive together, we can persevere together. And it's together 
that we get to see Jesus walk on water. Right? And even that will be a little bit scary. Right? To see the miracles that God's going to do. But let's do it together. Striving together. Being patient together. Humble together. Because those who are patient will prevail. Amen? Amen. Let's prevail, church. Amen.